0: What is air? I asked this question in science class. I was wondering because it's not just stuff from space, just like whoosh, making the air move. The uh, I found out though it's fire. it's like an imbalance. Like if you put your hand to do in water press and press down, I was wondering like, so. what is time? time? Because time because isn't a physical object. So I mean, it's a kept a by like a clock, and right? It's like that's not like physical time. Because like a time. I mean, like because. A donkey and a horse so can animals. have a to so the can't are Graves are brown and Children are naturally curious, particularly younger children. In a kindergarten classroom, you're going to hear the word "why" over and over again because children want to understand the world around them. But unfortunately, over time, and after several different grades coming out of elementary school, then middle school, and then high school, that natural curiosity begins to wane a little bit, and students become less concerned about the natural wonders of what's going on around them, and become more concerned about making sure that they know the right answers for the test that's going to decide whether they're going to be able to go to the next grade or not. One teacher at my school is doing something to continue to tap into that innate curiosity of students. And I've heard several students talk about it, and they call it question time. And it seems simple enough. It's just a little bit of time at the beginning of every class to ask questions about the world around them. And I was kind of curious on how it worked. How did she structure it to make it meaningful? What kind of questions were the kids asking? How did she answer them if she didn't know and see if it was something that could be utilized in class outside of science.
1: Let's do question time. My name is Kelly Jaynes. I teach science, eighth grade physical science and 11th and 12th grade IB physics.
0: What is question time and what classes do you do it in?
1: Question time is the first, it's toward the beginning of class, usually one of the first things and it's about five to seven minutes of students asking questions about the world. Uh, I encourage them to notice weird things in nature or in their lives. Like, why do Cheerios cling to the perimeter of a bowl, the circumference of a bowl? Depends on their bowl shape, I guess. How do birds know where to fly? What's up with moon phases? Why did the moon turn red? That kind of stuff. Let's do question time.
0: (laughs) Uh, What is forgetting? Like, is there, like, parts of your brain that absorb the knowledge, sort of, and then you just forget it like what happens like you don't lose parts of your brain
1: right your brain doesn't go away um but people talk about memory as connections that are made between the neurons in your brain and so the place where i'm getting this information is from the radio show called two guys on your head they're professors at ut and every friday morning like on your way to school it's something that you could listen to because that's when it comes on is on the way to school time And every week they do a couple of cool questions all about, but all about the mind. Uh, And one time they talked about memory, and they say that every time you remember something, you're actually creating it all over again in your head. So when you look at people changing their stories over time, you might have some, like, story that you tell. But every time you tell it, you're sort of creating it again, and there's potential for it to change. But also as you create it, you're rewiring, basically, the the neurons in your brain and making them stronger. So the more we do things, like the more we practice our saxophone or our dance routine, the more you relive it, you're making these pathways stronger and less likely to forget. (coughs) So basically you're just building inroads. Um and we're we're apt to forget a lot of things uh if we don't do that. So when you're studying and you wanna say you're gonna become a doctor, you wanna you're wanting to study things again and again. Often, and there's all kinds of different theories about learn it and then 15 minutes later, remind yourself the next morning, remind yourself. And then, you know, they say sometimes like after three to five recollections, you are more likely to have it forever. But then it gets really interesting of like, what do we remember? And often it's a little kind of dark to think about. uh, Sometimes our strongest memories are, are scary ones right? The things that we don't like, maybe our regrets or our embarrassing moments. Sometimes those stick around a little bit easier than the happy times. And people talk about the evolution of humans to survive so well is to really learn from our mistakes really well. So we're, we're more likely to remember, oh, that time that we almost got attacked by our neighbor's dog. Oh, let's be really careful around dogs so that we survive. So that's kind of interesting, and it's, it's useful to make a good practice of remembering happy things because we know that our brains are less likely to remember them all by themselves and maybe not to worry about, oh, gosh, when I think about all my memories, some of them are pretty, like, not fun. That's okay. Just remember that that's part of your human survival too. So lots to, lots to think about there. Not really an answer to your question necessarily, but some stuff around the edges of it.
0: Do you do this in all your classes?
1: I do it mostly in the eighth grade class, but I also do it in my high school classes. The eighth graders are just really eager for it and the high schoolers have a tighter schedule to keep. So that's why it happens more in eighth grade.
0: Why did you start question time?
1: I have no idea. I think that's a really interesting question. I've been doing it for like 12 years now and I don't know why I started. Oh, I do know why I started it from a yoga workshop I took. I practiced a stronger yoga and there's a guy coming through town who had who's like one of the people who brought it to America from India and I was all excited to practice with him in this 3-day workshop and he sat down at the very beginning and he just looked out at all the people and said any questions? And that's so what that that launched the whole 3-day conversation that we had and I thought it was pretty cool that you can have an agenda or not have an agenda but most likely if you put yourself in the right room for the right reason, you're gonna get it done. So I like students sort of taking that guidance of class.
0: And what structures have you put in place so it's like productive?
1: I do set them up with like they can ask anything. I want it to be about science. It doesn't have to be about physical science. They know I'm more likely to have a good answer for them if it is, <laughs> but they tend to have super interesting questions about biology, most of which I can't answer. But that's if that's where their questions are great like do it Um, but they also know that they can ask anything and I I give them a guideline that anything off of the topic of science whether it be about like friendships or life philosophy I like that to be ten percent or less of the questions that are raised and I've never had to like enforce that it just naturally is that way Um, and they know it's about five to seven minutes uh, sometimes it gets really rowdy and they'll get like a cue started up of, I didn't get to ask my question last time. I get to go first this time. And that's fine. That manages itself too. And that's, so that's the structure of the timing and the who goes when. Like I said, there's a lot of questions that I can't answer and those go up on a special place in the board and students can follow up on them and earn a gold star five gold stars gets them a prize from the prize box.
0: And your high high schoolers still all about the gold star too?
1: They are. And they're all about the prizes from the prize box. But so am I. I would still be all about that too.
0: How often do the kids actually follow up? Or do you often have things that you put up on the board that just no one ever... Yeah,
1: there's a lot of things that no one ever goes to. Um, I would say it's the same kids who follow up. I would say there's like four kids in every class who are regular follow uppers. Mm -hmm. And they'll probably get about half of the questions that go up on the board. And the other half are never to be heard from again.
0: <laughs> it's just in the abyss of their minds.
1: Yeah, but we do talk about how important it is to write down your questions when you have them because you're so unlikely to remember them later. So some of them do get in that habit when, when someone raises their hand and opens their notebook to the question they've written down, my heart One, sings. I
0: looked into the dogs, or I started to look into why dogs, like, shake their leg if you scratch them in a certain spot. Uh I didn't find much yet, but what I did find is it's involuntary, so they can't control it, which I kind of suspected, but I was never, like, 100% sure. And then I have a question, so people... Where did
1: you look into
0: a dog? Uh, I don't remember what the website is called. I can send it to you later. Okay. But, um, so, people can't see air, so can like fish and water creatures see water and if they can't also can they see air the same way that we can see water
1: that's a wonderful question sydney um okay so i don't have i've never looked into your question i'm just going to tell you my opinion as i cut your gold star for your dog research so when do we see air we see it sometimes When it's cold
0: and we're breathing.
1: Good. So when you see your breath, what else? What are some other examples? There's plenty.
0: Just any kind of, like, temperature change, steam. Yeah,
1: temperature change. So sometimes you'll see it, like, on a hot road when you're on a road trip, and you can see the wobbly air from the different temperatures. Um, Campfire smoke, like a dusty, hazy day where there's, like, pollen or something in the air, you can kind of see. So it takes, you can't really see the air, but you can see stuff stuck in it, and you can see temperature changes, right? Um, and then with water, the same thing we can imagine would be true for fish. Maybe crystal clear water, they just don't see it, but when it's all murky and you know, a boat's gone by and kicked up some algae, maybe that's what makes it visible too. Um, what does it look like, that differential between air and water? That's a great question, so let's add it to our
0: please. Kelly was writing up a new list on the board of questions that students could go home and research for next class.
1: So what do fish see for water? Check it out.
0: A couple students wrote the question in their journal.
1: Let's check it out. Um, Something that you'll probably come across as you look into it will be about refraction, which means bending. So when we stick a straw into water, we see it sort of bend. If you're trying to spear fish, I don't know if you've had a lot of spearfishing experience this far in your life. Um, but you have to aim not exactly where you see the fish. You have to aim a little off from the fish so that you're accounting for the bending of the water. Um, so I wonder if the fish have any account of that maybe in their hunting. That'd be interesting.
0: It's like when you stick a pencil in a glass of water, it like looks more magnified and it's like in a different spot than it actually is.
1: Yeah, and it's the same principle behind
0: rainbows too. That yeah. What well, makes well, a good, good question?
1: question. Um, I think a good question is a, an everyday question, something that is super normal yet unexplained. Um, something like, why do coffee grounds make they? If you like spill a little bit of strong coffee, and you look at the dried up pattern of the stain, it's always a dark perimeter and a light interior. Um, so stuff like that. Um, also, kind of the, the brain science questions get really interesting. You know, looking at why we cry and looking at the hormones that come out in your tears that are sort of like your body's way of getting rid of these like heavy emotional hormones. Pretty cool stuff like that.
0: Mm. Are, are there, there bad questions? Yeah.
1: Are there bad questions? Yes. Yes, there are. Uh, because some people, even though I train them at the beginning of the year, that question time is for the, you know, marvelous facets of the universe. Some people are like, uh, could we go over number two on the homework? And it's like, oh, we're going to go over the homework after this. But this is for your sacred life burning questions, not the homework. <laughs>
0: So do you think science is special in this regard, uh, of being able to do question time or do you see it being able to happen as, as, I
1: think it lends itself to it well, because you have all of, you know, life on earth and geology and space and all these really fascinating topics that fall under the umbrella, but I think it could go for anything like a language arts teacher could be asked about like the juiciest poem they've ever read or why were nathaniel hawthorne and herman melville so close and you know all these things that kind of get into history of a place or a story could be great because
0: yeah, i've thought about like what that would look like in math and then i just anticipate like probably a lot of questions that i don't know because i haven't even taught high school math mm-hmm. and so i'm sure a lot of this stuff would end up going into more advanced math than we've explored and then even if i do like remember some of that math like How many like connection connecting pieces are going to be missing Mm -hmm. on their side to be able to even understand the answer? Yeah, and I would wonder what that would look like in a math class.
1: Yeah, I would think it for a math class, you would want to have like some resource for it, sort of like a math studies textbook. You know, they always explore those cool little bits of geometry or barcode scanning action and but I would want like a set of cool things to talk about. And then one other thing I wanted to say about why we do, like the philosophy behind it too. The f- maybe it falls under your question of favorite questions. But when people ask, how do we know, blah, blah, blah. How do we know that the earth is 5.97 times 10 to the 24 kilograms in mass? And cause that's a great question, right? So those are my favorite ones and those are the ones I ask them to ask. So when I tell you something, I want you to be able to ask yourself, how, do, how does science know this? And if they can't figure it out, it's usually a really good question. So the how do we know, I think, is the best.
0: What would you say to a teacher that wants to try this but is kind of worried about like the time commitment or knowing how to answer the questions or just getting buy-in from the kids?
1: I think for time commitment, use a timer. Kids love timers. Um, just on your phone. And for, I think the really, the biggest like, thing that would probably stand in someone's way is f- having the fear of I'm not going to know how to answer any of these. And I've had days where they raise questions that I don't know how to answer. Um, and I think it's awesome for them to see that and to see how exciting it is to learn it and how easy it is to learn it. Most of the time I don't, uh, when someone does ask an easily Googleable Googleable question that I don't know, I don't usually... S- open up my computer and Google it in front of them. But maybe once a month I will, just so it can be like a demonstration of, oh, look, we've been wondering this, and it took about three minutes to figure out the answer, or sometimes less. Um, So just getting excited about how easy it is to find information these days, as opposed to the card catalogs of my youth. But um, I think it's good for kids to see that we don't know everything, and I think they're fine with it.
0: Yeah, that's what I noticed when I was in here observing you last week was like, I think you said, I don't know, at least five times. Yeah. Just in the 15 minutes that you were doing it. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, no, let's put that up on the board. But what I do know, and here's what I think, Um, just start hypothesizing. Is and- it the same amount of time for a fish to be in the air and then kind of suffocate for us to be in water and drown? Or is mm-hmm. it like, are they able to last longer? Are we able to last longer? Like, Yeah, um,
1: what a fascinating question again i don't know all i can say to it is um you know people just humans you could even line up humans of the thanks state. for bringing that up i forgot about the here's what i do know part of a question i often give an answer to a question i don't know but i answer a different question I'm like mm-hmm. that's a lot like a good question like this let's mm-hmm. talk about that question <laughs> yeah. your question reminds me of a great question <laughs> <laughs> that i can talk about okay good questions look at those Get
0: a gold star. That's all all I have, Kelly.
1: Thanks, Tom. Bye. Keep on rocking.
0: I hope hearing this maybe gives you a little bit of an idea of how you can bring in some of that natural curiosity that kids have into whatever content area and whatever grade you're teaching. Thanks so much to Kelly Janes for letting me come into her class and see a little bit of the magic that goes on in there and pick her brain uh, on how she does what she does. If you enjoyed this episode of the Tom Gibson podcast and you're one of those people that actually leaves a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, please leave a review. It helps the show rise in the search results so hopefully the people that are interested in this kind of content will be able to find it. I did receive my first one star rating of someone who was unhappy with a former guest that I had on the show. So maybe getting a couple four or five star ratings can help offset the one star rating that it currently has. But thanks so much for listening. And if you're interested in staying in the loop with any upcoming podcasts, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you are listening to your podcast. Thanks for listening. And hopefully I'll see you in the next podcast.